This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for joining us. If you're like me and my family, you're gearing up for Thanksgiving within the next couple of weeks. But this show is going to be very dear to my heart because I have a special guest, a friend of mine. Her name is Jessica Robinson, and Jessica is the founder of Jessica's Operation Orange. And although we're getting ready for the holidays and we're getting ready to have parties, this is also a very dangerous time of the year. And Jessica's going to get real deep. She's going to share her, her personal testimony. I definitely want you to share this show with friends. And before we get going, if you have not yet partnered with Father Matters, would you please consider becoming a Father Matters partner? The Father Matters show is listener supported and all Father Matters programs and services are free to the community because of your generous donations. For more information about donating to Father Matters, log on to fathermatters.org and click the donate the Father Matters icon. Jessica Robinson, welcome to the Father Matters show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. You we're going to take our time and we're going to unpack this show. You're going to you, you're going to share your testimony about the importance of to not drink and drive. Yep. And and before you share your testimony, Jessica, why is it, especially right now with the holidays going on, is it so important not to drink and drive? You know, I think, you know, with the holidays, like you said, there's Christmas parties, holiday parties especially. You know, with your family, you're having a good time. You're not really thinking about it. You know, you might have that one, two drinks, and, you know, people do it all the time. Go have a couple drinks at a restaurant, and they get in their car and think nothing of it. They might feel fine. They think they're fine. And then next thing you know, the inevitable happens, and that's exactly what happened to me um, about nine years ago. Yes, and in September of 2008, you were about to have an exciting life, an exciting career. And let's slowly unpack that and share a little bit about that. Um, yeah, 2008. Well, let's go back. I was 23 years old. I'm going to be 33 soon, so almost actually 10 years ago. And I just got accepted into x-ray school. I was pretty excited about that. Um, You know, it was a hard process to get in. They only chose 30 of us out of hundreds of applicants. Um, You know, life was good. Just got a new car. You know, it was my mom's, but it was mine now. You know, (laughs) and... So I got accepted in x-ray school. It was my dream. I was working at an x-ray clinic as a tech assistant, and it was my first week of school. And it was great. I was excited about life, new future. And what happened? Um, well, you know, I did what a lot of people do. I had plans to go out that Friday night after my first week of school and was excited, wanted to celebrate with some friends. And I was going to go to a concert and... The tickets were sold out. I had one, so I ended up selling it. And my friends, we said, well, let's go have some sushi. And like a lot of people do, you go out to dinner. And, you know, we're sitting there, and it's about 7 o'clock. And I got a drink. And food comes. And I got another drink. You know, I had a couple drinks. And then we decided, well, let's go to another place. So we did after dinner. We went to another restaurant. We had someone drive us there who hadn't been drinking. 
And I didn't have another drink at the place. I got one, and I thought, you know what? I don't want this. I'm good. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I've been up. I was working full-time, going to school full-time at the time. And I felt okay. I was super tired, though, so I got in my car, and I was driving home. I was driving towards my boyfriend's, Mm -hmm. which is close to my house, and I uh, got into a car accident, and... um, that car accident, because of that, it's quite emotional. Um, Just take your time. <clears throat> I was, I got into the car accident, and um, the gentleman that I hit, there was two gentlemen in the car. Um, one of them was ejected from the vehicle, and he was pronounced dead on the scene. And um, at the time, it was scary, the whole thing. I was frightened, but I didn't think anything of it. I I was like just tired. I think I nodded off for a second and overcorrected my car. Um, but didn't knowing the laws and not knowing the circumstances of the situation. Any time there's a death in a car accident, they test everyone for any type of drugs, alcohol. They they run your blood. And of course, I was taken to the hospital, and the police were there, and. I didn't understand why, you know, like, why are they in the room with me? What, what's going on? Because at that time, you didn't know that the passenger of the other car had already passed away. Did you know at the scene? I assumed. I mean, I saw I saw the accident and I saw the gentleman. But, I mean, I think everything in my being just hoped that he would be yeah. okay. You know, the other gentleman was fine. He walked away. You know, you just hope for the best. I mean, it's a scary situation. Yeah. So you was at the hospital? Um, I was at the hospital. I I kept asking them to call my dad. You know, my mom was out of town. I said, call my dad, call my dad. Um, um, and, you know, once my dad finally got there, um, the sheriff came in, and he told me that the gentleman had passed away. And for me, I think, um, honestly, I was... I screamed. I screamed. And I, I, I know that my boyfriend had showed up at the hospital, too, and he said he could hear that scream down the hall. Yeah. Um, because at this time, the sheriff had already informed me, like, you know, ma'am, like, there's a possibility, we, you know, we're going to have to draw your blood. You know, we, we believe alcohol was a factor, and and this could be a manslaughter case. And, you know, it's like, what? You know, you don't think about that. Um. And they told you all this at the hospital? Yeah, they told me at the hospital. Uh, and your injuries? I didn't have any. They just wanted to check they, you out? Yeah, they wanted to check me because my car had flipped. Sure. Um, you know, next thing I know, they I make a statement and they release me to my father. Um, they didn't take me into custody, which is very rare, actually. I mean, normally in those circumstances, they would book So why you. do you think that didn't happen? Um, you know, I think... I was cooperative, and maybe because I was in my emotional state, I was so distraught, and they thought, you know what, this girl, she's she's never experienced anything like this, yeah. and if we put her in jail, you know, she's right gonna, it's going to be scary for her, so let's release her to her parents, and, you know, the, and you then you wait. Then <sighs> that's the wait. You don't know anything. So how long was the wait? Um, it took them almost 10 months to charge me and indict me. No, nothing in the mail, no phone calls, no nothing, nothing. from the, the night they released you. And in 10 months, you figured. Well, I knew. I mean, I retained attorneys. So I, I retained my parents retained attorneys that uh, Monday. The Monday after the accident? Correct. 
because yeah. maybe thinking this week they might call you or you, you guys were getting prepared for something. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only communication we had was with the detective um, from the evening for the blood results, which can take up to, I mean, six to eight weeks, sometimes longer. Okay. So it was a waiting game. Um, so you knew that something, your, your your parents knew that something was going to happen if that following Monday they said, we've got to get an attorney right now. Right. So you got an attorney, you kind of told them what was going on, the attorneys was trying to look into the case or what have you. Right. Um, but these can take a while. They mean with accident reconstruction and blood results and just looking at a whole timeline of events. They don't just look at the accident. They look at everything um, from so, what you did that morning to, to the moment of the accident. So what were you doing from that Monday until you got contacted 10 months later? You know what? That Saturday, well, it was Saturday at 1 in the morning on September 6, 2008, Labor Day weekend. Um, my mother said, life doesn't stop. You're going to go to school on Monday and you're going to work because you can't fall apart. You have to keep going. We don't know anything yet. And until we do, life goes on. And that's what you did. And that's what I did. I continued to go to school. I told only a few people what had happened. They knew I'd had a car accident. Sure. I didn't disclose the nature of it. Um, and I just live life. But it's an impending doom. Uh, it's a lot of stress. And it's scary. So, you know, I just kept going on. So you went on and you kept going on. I did. Yeah. And my next question is going to be, what happened when 10 months came and you got contacted? How did you get contacted? Who contacted you? But before we do that, we're going to go into a commercial break okay. because I don't want to stop in the middle of that. You're listening to the Father Matters Show with Vance Sims. And today's guest is Jessica Robinson, founder of Jessica's Operation Orange. We'll hear more from Jessica after this. Hi, this is Vance Sims, host of the Father Matters Show. Would you consider partnering with us? Father Matters is a nonprofit ministry that's listener supported and relies on donations and grants. All funds raised go directly to Father Matters mentoring programs for families, which means that your donation will help important projects that service children and families. For more information about partnering with us, log on to fathermatters.org and click the Donate to Father Matters icon. Together, let's build stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. <clears throat> Welcome back to the Father Matters Show. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the top of the show at fathermatters.org. Also catch the Father Matters show nationally every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time by logging on to blogtalkradio.com or catch our archive shows anytime worldwide at soundcloud.com. And if you are just tuning in, I want you to go back to the top of this show. We have special guest Jessica Robinson from Jessica's Operation Orange 
ministry. She was sharing her testimony, and she's now going to take it to the second part of her testimony. After 10 months of waiting, after 10 months of not hearing anything, Jessica, you were contacted. Yeah, I mean, my attorneys, of course, were, you know, representing me during that time, um, waiting, and that's what they said. Just we have to wait uh, for an indictment to come in the charges. And I, I finally got that, you know, and, and then then I knew the ball was rolling. It's 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 go time, and you know, court's coming up. Where were you at? In month 10, when like, because after month two, you don't hear nothing. Month five, you don't hear nothing. Month nine, what, what are you doing around the ninth month? Well, uh, I had, I was in x-ray school still. So the first nine months, we just had didactic classroom work, you know. But after that, you go to clinicals. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go until I get indicted. Because then, I mean, it's a lot of money for tuition. So I was like, I'm just going to keep going until then. And uh, I was actually working at St. Joe's Hospital for my clinicals, and I got the call. Um, from? That, uh, I believe it was from my mother that the charges had been filed. So uh, it was a blow. I remember I, was, I think I was walking because it's a large hospital, and yeah. we, I did my internship all over the hospital from the ER to the NICU. Um, <clears throat> and it's a level one trauma center. So when I was there, I did work in trauma and a lot of that is DUI car accidents um, so um, kept being reminded I, I did but I felt that you know it was a good thing and a realization and I think it's good for people to see I mean gosh I think everyone should go maybe to the trauma unit on a Friday or Saturday night and just see what's coming in because you have victims and you have the offenders laying in bays next to each other yeah. um, it's it's real it's raw and I think it, we needed that not me, but people, yes. you know, just to see, like, this is the effects of your decisions. But I got that call, and, you know, it was a blow. Okay. Um, it was hard. <laughs> and what happened? Um, I had my first court appearance. Um, you know, nothing really happens. Court system's slow. <laughs> um, so you go, you show up, basically, and you always plead not guilty, and then you wait some more. You wait some more time. Was the uh, other family at the court? Um, not for the first um, initial hearing. I don't believe so, if I remember correctly. But I do remember that the first time that I knew that the victim's family was going to be there. And that was a hard day. Yeah. So when you first went, <coughs> um, they this they didn't arrest you then either? No, I was let out on my, it's called OR, my own accord. So... You know, I was just on a – actually, I was on pretrial services. It's a type of uh, probation, why, you know, while you're waiting for court. So I had stipulations that I had to abide by. And how long was that? Another 10 months. I wow. waited 10 months before I was actually sentenced. Okay. Yeah. So then you went back the second time, and that's when the family was there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a typical hearing. Um, nothing had really came up. You know, no pleas had been offered at this point. Um. I think maybe six months in, the first plea came through. And my first plea was nine to 12 and a half years. Wow. Prison time. Yeah. And this is what I want the listeners to listen to. This is, you're not telling like a story of something that could happen. You're sharing what happened to you. And this is what can happen to us. Right. I mean, in, a, in, a, in an instant, you know, like I said, everything was going great. Life was wonderful in a split second. 
my whole world was changed. Nine to 12 years? Nine to 12 and a half years. And what happened when they said that? Your attorney said? Honestly, I, it was hard to compute. I mean, you really can't fathom that. Um, you know, when this first happened, it was like, People were like, oh, they're not going to send you to prison. You're a good person, you, you know. And, and who, 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 who are they? Um, friends, family, sure, sure. coworkers. I mean, you know, just people that I'd met. Right. They thought they're not going to send someone to prison that did this, especially, you know, you're, you work, you're good, you're not, you're not a criminal. And I'm, right. I'm like, but they didn't realize, you know, they, they're kind of blinded by that. What didn't they realize? That the system does not discriminate. That if you commit a crime and you're guilty, you're going to prison. doesn't matter who you are. So when they say nine to 12 and a half months. Years. You, years, I'm yeah, sorry. Do okay. your attorneys, what do your attorneys say to that? Do they accept it or you say, hey, is it another court case? Um, no, we, we actually went to court and a judge sat down with me. It was, she sat right across from me, which is rare, and she explained the situation. She told me that I did not have to take this plea, that I could deny this plea, and then that they could offer, the state could offer another one. Um, and that's what they did. My attorneys negotiated another plea for me to sign, and that plea was five to 12 and a half years. So I still had a large range, sure. but I had the better chance of, you know, getting a lower end. So I knew the least I could get was five. The most I would do was 12 and a half years. And they considered what you were doing the whole 10, 20 months from the time the uh, incident happened. Yes, of course. And and also even before the accident, they look at, you know, what kind of person you are. And during that time, the first three months after the accident, I literally didn't talk about it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to face it. And one day I said, you know what? I got to start sharing my story uh, because if I can't share my story, I'm never going to get through this. And yeah. I did. I yeah. started talking to people, telling my story, and they were blown away and thought a lot of most people said, oh, my gosh, I, I did that last night. I went and had two beers at See. dinner. Or I, I had some wine at my girlfriend's house and I drove home and they thought, no way this that could be me, you know, and so. I even worked with uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and I went and at a few events and tried to tell my story. I know they are an organization for victims and victims' families, but I thought, you know what? What if an offender goes out and tells their story? Mm-hmm. You know, and you were doing all this before you got the actual sentence. Yes. When you got the actual sentence, what was the sentence? What was your reaction? And when did everything start? It started on June 25th of 2010. I signed my plea. Uh, they took me into custody. I waited in... How much time did you get? Um, I I signed the plea. That, that's the range. Okay, I okay. wasn't sentenced yet. Okay. So they send you to jail and okay. while you wait sentencing. So, so you're in 4th Avenue? Um, I was in Australia, uh, okay. uh, Maricopa County. Okay. Uh, so August 20th, about two months later, that's when I got sentenced. And So when you went to jail, how... You you went to jail in June? Uh, June 25th, they took me into custody. Okay, so you went to jail in June, and then you was in jail for two months. Yes. Just waiting. Just waiting with that. And that knowing. felt like 20 years. Yeah, 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 it did. 
And so when they told you what was the sentence, what happened? How long did you stay in one place? Did you move to another place? What happened? Um, so they took me back to court on August 20th. And, of course, I spoke on my behalf. I had friends and family speak on my behalf. The victim's family was there. They spoke about their father. Oh. And, you know, they had family members speak. And then, of course, the judge sends down your sentence to you. And, you know, I had a, of course, I've hoped and wanted five years. But I knew, I, I knew with the circumstances and everything that I would not get that. And I, I didn't know, really. I thought, oh, this I'm going to get nine years right now by the way the situation was talking the prosecution mm-hmm. wanted nine years wow but i got i got seven and at, at that moment it was just like i said it was surreal like this is it's almost like a dream looking back <laughs> like mm-hmm. i can't remember that day yeah. but i remember it but it was like a fog and uh that was it and they they took me away right there yep well i was already in custody right you know i was shackled and handcuffed and belly chained at my sentencing and what did that feel like when it's like you 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 you're shackled like you like like a monster it 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 did it 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 feels like that i guess it's you're stripped to the lowest point that um i think anybody can feel but i mean i still have my life you yeah. know and 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 i was happy for that and i could you know, sometimes it was hard to see a future. I understand. Um, without, you know, because I took someone else's from them. But um, it was hard all around for everyone. And this is seven years later and just feeling your emotion. It, it still impacts you. Oh, of course. I mean, every day. I mean, some days I can talk about it and it's, um, you know, it's not so hard. But. It, you know, when I'm helping somebody that's going through the same situation as me, which I've been doing lately, it's raw again. It's real. Yeah. And I remember those moments because they're living them right now. Yeah. Have you have you had any contact with the family, the victim's family um, at all? We're not allowed due to victim's advocacy rights. Okay. I'm not allowed. Um, but I will share this. Um about four years into my incarceration, it was around the holidays, and I get a letter from my mom, and it's an email, um, and it's my victim's daughter, and she's reached out to my mother through my website. She's found it. She's seen it, and I, I think it was Facebook. She wrote my mama, yeah. And how was the the, the daughter? Um. She wrote me a letter forgiving me um, for what had happened, mm-hmm. and she knows that it was an accident, that I never meant for that to happen, that I was not a bad person, and that um, she even asked about my well-being, how I was, you know, to my mother, and also, you know, that no matter how much time I had to do, it wouldn't bring their father back, but that she just hoped that I continue spreading my story so that somebody else doesn't make the same mistake. How old was the daughter? At the time, she was about 16. Mm-hmm. Um, she's wrote my mother a few times since um, and relayed that her mother has given forgiveness to. Um, mm-hmm. She translated for her mother. 
And when I got that letter, I remember I was standing there on the yard, and I fell to my knees, and I I cried, and people thought someone had died, and it, it wasn't that. It was just sheer overwhelmness yeah. for the forgiveness because I don't— I don't know. I didn't think I could ever get that from anyone. And Jessica, like all times, the the, the, the time just fly by. I'm gonna, will you come back next week? Because I'm going to ask you not even some more questions about how are you doing today, where you are. But while you were incarcerated, you started your organization, Jessica's Operation Orange, because you said she contacted you through the website. And I want people to know what website, what what you were doing with your time. Will you come back next week? Of course. I'd love to. How can listeners get in touch with you right now before next week if they want to talk to you? They can definitely hear your testimony and read your whole testimony on your website at jessicasoperationorange.com. But how can people get in touch with you? Um, the best way, yeah, is through the website. I'll have my email on there. You can contact me directly through my email. That'll be posted on there. jessicasoperationorange.com. Um, if you were a victim or, you know, if you got, you know, a family member that's going through this on either side, because I also want to talk about your, your ministry that you started while you were in prison. So I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you look so much forward for to, Look forward to picking up with this next week. And thank you for tuning into the Father Matters Show. Send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org. <coughs> thank you to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>